Well, good afternoon, Bob. Well, good afternoon, Bill. How we are, are you? coming down to the uh, end. It's unbelievable. This, this is the last, last two podcasts until wow. after our summer season. And so this is episode 34, and we're glad that you have dialed in to this week's podcast. I hope that they've really enjoyed this time period. It, it's been a lot of fun, but I'm not going to miss it for five weeks. No, for five weeks, I'm glad we don't have to add this to our schedule. That's true. And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end, but we're excited that Allison Conover is here today. She's going to share her ministry of music, and then our good friend, Dr. Ron Klein, is going to share a message. I can get in trouble for saying this, but you know, my old boss, Neil Fichtorn, used to say, if you had to pick the top five speakers mm. that you would want to have at a conference, who would you pick? Yeah. And I got to tell you, Dr. Ron Klein would be right up there in the top. Well, it's fun just to be around him in his presence. He's just a, a, a very joyful man and uh, fun to be around. He really is. And, and Dr. Klein was the president of HCJB for many years. He's sort of retired, but we love when he comes to America's Keswick because he always gives a great practical challenge from the Word of God. So Allison, come on and sing. Then Dr. Ron Klein is going to share, and then we'll come back and make some closing comments Okay. after the message. Creation sings the Father's song. He calls the sun to wake the dawn and run the course of day till evening falls in crimson rays. His fingerprints in flakes of snow, his breath upon the spinning globe, he charts the eagle's flight, commands the newborn baby's cry. Renews the land and sky, all heaven will sing and earth. 
want to start back in our adventure. We're working on the armor of God that he has given to us. Some Christians have said yes to Jesus. I choose God. Great reminder, Joyce. And then never picked up the armor. And so they go through their Christian journey worrying and fretting, frustrated, mad, disappointed. They think they're in charge. They think they have to make all these decisions by themselves. Their faith is thin. And as they walk their life, they're not enjoying the Christianity that God created them to have and freed them to have. They never quite experience this thing that Jesus called the abundant life. In fact, they're really rather poor representatives of Christianity. And sometimes they're the very reason other people don't want to be Christians. Because those people look at them and say, well, what did Christianity do for you? You worry about everything. You criticize everything. You grumble and complain about everything. You don't have any joy. You don't have any happiness. What, why would I want to be a Christian? So I spend my Sundays in church. Is that all I get out of it? And Jesus says, come on, I've armed you so that you don't have to deal with worry and fret and sorrow and anger and fear. I've armed you so that you can survive those things and get through them. So where are we? Number three, number four. That's not me. You ever feel like you uh, don't quite know what to do next? How to get out of the situation you're in, kind of locked in, and any way you go appears to be losing? You ever feel like this? You're just hanging in there. You're not sure you're going to survive. If you can just make it through today, maybe tomorrow will be better. And I find that a lot of Christians are in this position. Even in their faith, they're just hanging in there, hoping to make it to the next step, to the next part of life. So Jesus comes along, and he teaches a bunch of words. And we take those words and we break them down into a verse. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, when you're hanging by your fingertips and you're not sure you're going to make it, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. When all said and done, there you stand. You're not going to fail and fall. Stand firm then. And we started Friday night with the belt of truth tucked around your waist. We're saying you got to start with the fact of truth. Face the facts. You are a sinner. Jesus came to redeem you of your sins. You can be free of the penalty of those sins and the influence of those sins in your life if you are willing to do that, if you will accept that truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the redeemer and he did save you. And last night we saw some people say, yeah, that's for me. 
And many of you have said, yeah, that's for me. Some of you are still saying, well, I'm not sure. That's because you haven't seen it in other Christians. You haven't seen the real deal. But boy, you run into a free Christian, you run into something else. You run into a person full of joy and peace and satisfaction, and nothing really phases them. They laugh at the storm. It's not a problem for them. They'll hang on that limb all day because they know that God's in charge. The second piece of equipment he says we should have because the belt should already be on. If you're going to, if you're going to be a winner in life, that belt has to be secure is the breastplate of righteousness. And we have to choose righteousness. It's not something that he's going to be forced upon us. We have to choose righteousness, just like we have to choose to accept the truth. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, accepting the truth and becoming a member of the kingdom of God, and its righteousness. Once you've done that, everything else will be provided for you. Now, I know that some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, that's, that can't possibly be true. It is true. God will give you everything you need, not what you want, but what you need. He'll take care of you. Some of you say, well, he hasn't been doing a very good job. You're here. You're here. He knows that, and he loves you. And he's glad that you're hearing the word. And then he says, and put on those shoes of peace, or how does he say it exactly? And with your feet fitted with the readiness, the readiness, ready to do things that will bring peace to other people. You're going to be a reconciler for God. 2 Corinthians 5, last part of chapter 5, you have been a new creature so that you can become a reconciler. You're going to bring people to God and you're going to bring people to each other. Your ministry is reconciliation. Your message is reconciliation, he says in that verse. You're going to be a person of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh, what a journey we have, folks. And there's no other religion in the world that provides these kinds of promises and confidence and joy and peace promised to us. So we now come to the only defensive piece, and that is that shield. We come to the shield of Faith, he calls it. Now, the Romans had this big shield. It's big. They could actually get down and hide behind it. Um, they could actually push people with it. So in some ways, it was an offensive weapon because they could push people, but it was very defensive. They could, they could put those up side by side and kind of huddle under them, and the arrows that came across would just ricochet and bounce off of them. They'd kind of make a dome over the top of themselves. You've seen that in some movies, I'm sure. The, the shield was made out of wood, usually, covered with hide. They would get the shield wet from the hide, uh, the hide wet, so that when the flaming arrows came, 
which would stick in the wood. People found out pretty quick that arrows stick in wood, so you shoot arrows into the wood, but the hide being wet would put the flames out. So Paul grabs that picture and he says, what you have is a shield of faith. You can turn that shield. It's your defensive weapon. You control the shield and you can turn it any way you want to to defend yourself against the wiles of the devil, the flaming arrows of the enemy. God has provided that for you. And it's called faith. It's called faith. Your faith in God. When I was in my graduate studies, uh, I'm, I'm in the field of psychology, so I had this uh, class that was totally secular. I think I was the only Christian in the class, at least the one who admitted it. And uh, the class was a UCLA class, and it was uh, one of these that was held for 24 hours at a time. So it wasn't a three-hour class or a five-hour class. It was a 24-hour class. So you showed up at about 5 o'clock at night. You went into a room. You left everything outside. Of course, back then, we didn't have cell phones. But you left everything outside. So you didn't have books. You didn't have anything. You went into this room. You sat in this room. Um, the class was a class in sensitivity training. And they were training us. I, as I look back on it, they were training us to be sensitive to other people and sensitive to things going on inside our own lives. I'm not sure I buy into all of that, but anyway, that I had to take the class. And for 24 hours, you're in this room. So, you know, you, you sit in a circle on the floor and, uh, and they have different questions that they ask. And, and by about four in the morning, you know, you can sleep if you want to, but you can't leave the circle. So you can kind of lay down on the floor and sleep if you want. It's called education in California. And um, so it was about three or four in the morning, and they had this candle that they were passing around a very dark room. And the professor was on the other side of the circle, and he would shout out a, a question, a very personal question. Um, uh, that you had to respond immediately with an answer, and then the group decided, being sensitive, whether you were telling the truth or not. And if they decided you were not telling the truth, then you were grilled. So you learned pretty quick that you wanted to respond as honestly as you could. And um, so they went around the circle and people were asked different kinds of very personal questions. And the candle was handed to me and the voice boomed from across the room, what is your greatest strength? Now it's a, poss it's a possibility that you can kind of brag on yourself or it's a possibility you can kind of be humble and, you know, you, but you're in a sensitivity group and you've been pretty bold with each other and by this time of the morning you're kind of tired, you just want to get it over with, you still got 12 hours to go. And out of my mouth came immediate answer that just shocked me. I was tired and uh, I listened to the, careful to the question and I heard the question and right back I said, my confidence in God. 
That's my shield. I didn't even know I had that shield. Someplace along the line, I had been a Christian by that time for about 10 years, someplace along the line, I had picked up that shield. And as I said that, then the group really grilled me. Why in the world would I be in? And I had all the answers. They just came. God, just scripture verses I had forgotten that I had learned one time, just poured out of me, and it turned that little circle into a revival meeting. How's your confidence in God? Is God enough for you? Or do you need something else? Can he protect you from the world that wants to destroy you? He has given you the shield of faith. And you have an opportunity to carry that if you're willing to. Or you can... <laughs> Step out in front of the shield and say, hey, I can handle all this myself, and you will be mowed down. Right, guys? We're not strong enough, folks. Let's be honest. We can't stand against the devil. He's too tough for us. He fights dirty, and he knows us too well. We have to have that shield in place. Your confidence in God. So, let me tell you the story of this guy. This is Nigeria. Nigeria is in Africa. Nigeria is really two countries. There's southern Nigeria, which um, is mostly Christian. In fact, they have some of the biggest churches in the world. They have a church called Redeemed Christian Church of God with a membership of two million people. <laughs> How would you like to take role on that one? Two million people. Redeemed Christian Church of God. And they're arguing with another church, a church called Mountain of Fire and Miracle. Whoa, what a name for a church. Mountain of Fire and Miracle. That's where I'm going this morning. They seat, they seat 250,000 people in their church. <laughs> and these two churches argue over which one's the biggest. Because one seats 250,000 and the other one has 2 million members. And they argue the good old competition. But the churches of the South, are some of the biggest churches in the world are in Nigeria. But in the north, uh, it is a mess. And uh, the Christians are being slaughtered in the north. 900 churches have been burned to the ground this year so far in the north. Boko Haram is uh, one of the worst terrorist groups in the world. They're the group that steal the girls from school. Um, then give them to their warriors. Their warriors get them pregnant, so they have babies that are called Muslims. And, I mean, they, they kill other villagers. It's a mess. 
The man on the picture is a Boko Haram guy. Haram, I guess you say. Guy. Um, he burnt down a lot of churches, killed a lot of Christians. Uh, he was sitting in his house one night and like he had a stroke. He just fell backwards. They really thought he had died. And he's laying on the floor in the house, and they don't know what to do with him. His, his guards, warriors are outside. They're all worried about their leader, who's kind of the, the, the man who decides who they're going to kill. And he's laying on the floor in his room, and his wives, a multiple, are there with him. And after about three hours of not being sure what to do, because they're a long ways from a city, he sits back up, like raised from the dead. Opens his eyes, and he says, somebody tell me how to know Jesus. One of his wives was a secret Christian, had been stolen and brought in, and she had heard about Jesus, knew about Jesus, and she was a secret Christian, so she took the courage and told him about Jesus. They call him Paul today because he's just like the other Paul. They've tried to kill him several times. They've poisoned him. They've shot him. They've stabbed him. He's still going strong. He says, if he were here today, and if he spoke English, and we said, okay, Paul, what's your secret? He would say, my confidence in God. Folks, that will get you through. That is your shield. Does God know what he's doing or does he not? Does God even have the word oops in his vocabulary? No. God never goes, oh, man. He never does that. Does he know what he's doing in your life or does he not? Does he have a plan? Is he working his plan? And there's good stuff coming to your life. That's really sweet. We thank Jesus for that. How about when the bad stuff comes to your life? Do we ever thank Jesus for that? He will not allow anything to come unless it's for your good. That's, for hard, that's a hard thing for humans to understand. But he's already promised it. So let's figure out how to reinforce and get re-engage that faith, that faith protection plan. We're going to spell faith, okay? It's not very tricky. You can even guess ahead where we're going. F, follow the example of Jesus. Let me just give you a couple suggestions. Jesus was baptized, according to Luke, and then he prayed, and then the Father said, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is standing in front of 5,000 people who are hungry. He's got a couple of 
fish and a couple of loaves, and he prays and feeds 5,000 people. Jesus goes up on a mountain, and he prays, and then he walks across the water to his disciples. Do you see any pattern here? It's called prayer. You hanging on a limb, instead of whining and complaining and screaming and yelling, why don't try praying? Why don't you talk to God? Make that your first response. If you're going to be a person who has confidence in God, then you need to bring him into the picture through prayer. Invite him into the situation first. Don't you go out and see what you can do to solve the problem. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Because maybe God wants you to just hang there for a while. Maybe God's taking you through that ugly situation, that hard situation, so that tomorrow you will have a very effective ministry with some people in the same situation. So pray. Bring God into the picture. A, accept the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get your Bible out and read it, folks. Barna says that one out of 30 Christians read their Bible during the week. <laughs> what? This is God's word. I mean, he's talking to us in this. I have uh, been for a couple years now here in the States, encouraging Christians like you to memorize a verse this year. We still have six months to go, so how about memorizing one verse this year? Now, I know you're sitting there going, well, that'd be a dumb thing to do. It's probably more than you did last year. Come on, folks. This is God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I will not sin against God. If I'm going to fight those fiery arrows, I've got to know what God says. In fact, remember Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, fought Satan with Scripture. It is written, he said every time. The way that works is Satan's arrows come toward us and the Holy Spirit comes down into our being, goes into our storage tank, grabs a promise that God has put there because we've been reading the Word, takes that promise out, reminds us of that promise, and we go, stop! And we use the promise to stop the enemy. If there's no promise, we're kind of weak. Accept the truth of the Word of God. Uh, our verse that we're learning this week, we didn't say that this morning. What is the deal? We've, we've quit. It's Sunday, I guess. We don't say the verse on Sunday. The life I live, that verse says, I live according to the faith of the Son of God, 
The life I live is a life of faith. I cannot live without my faith, Paul says. It's not me, it's Christ in me. Accept that. Identify the attacker. That fear that comes to you is God does not give us fear. I have not given you the spirit of fear, he says. I've given you the spirit of love and joy and sound thinking, but I'm not giving you the spirit of fear. That spirit comes from the enemy. I have given you peace. That's what I gave you. I did not give you fear. I gave you peace. So when you're loaded with fear, that didn't come from God. Identify the attacker. Recognize that that's Satan. This is God. I'm on God's side. Therefore, I'm here, not there. And if God wants me to hang on this tree all day, I'll hang on the tree. When he wants me off, he'll help me get off. He'll give me an idea or he'll bring somebody along or a plane will fly under. One of these guys will come get me in a helicopter. Something will happen that's miraculous. And you'll go home and you'll say, the most amazing thing happened. You'll forget all about the fear because you'll talk about the joy of what God did when he came through when that $75,000 check showed up. Unexpected. You can't explain it. When that kind of stuff happens, that's what you talk about. Identify that. Trust the Lord. You know the verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will bail you out. Right? he'll lead you, he'll give you the traction you need to get where you need to go. But it starts with trusting in the Lord. Your confidence has to be in God, not in yourself, but in God. And if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to try to figure stuff out. You can't figure it out. It's God's stuff. You can't figure that out. But you can, in all your ways, glorify him. You can announce that he's the one that did it. You can praise him even publicly for what he did. You can put your head back and say, thank you, Jesus, as loud as you want to. Trust the Lord. The last thing I call hallelujah time, I think every Christian needs a whole load of hallelujah time. We got to start being joyful people. We've got to quit griping and complaining about stuff. You don't like the music in your church? Grow up. <laughs> Crying out loud. Read the words. If you can't rejoice over the words, there's something wrong with you. We've got to quit being grouches about stuff. We've got to learn to say, praise the Lord. Some of our brothers and sisters that are here know how to do that, and they come into meetings like this, and they feel stifled because us, we sit there, and we never put our hands up, and we never shout amen and you know somebody says amen in church and we look around like whoa what's that who's that who did that who said that isn't that amazing we, we we've lost the joy nehemiah said the joy of the lord is my strength 
That's where my confidence is. I can just celebrate all the time. So hallelujah time would be um, find somebody to encourage and go find somebody and encourage them. When the fear hits you, when the, 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 the moment of a real worry hits you, then get up and go find somebody to encourage. Or go find somebody to thank for doing something. And thank them for the, I mean, thank them for serving in the dining room. Thank them for, for anything you can think of. Be a thankful kind of person. Um, find something to celebrate. Guys reminded me, uh, Mike, that uh, last October I was in Papua New Guinea. We've had some wonderful times in Ukrumpa, flown with a lot of you guys out of Ukrumpa. Those guys are amazing. That's one of the places they use these helicopters. And Ukrumpa is at uh, Papua New Guinea's that island just north of Australia. And um, it's very remote, very, very remote. So people live in still tribal situations. And when my dad died, uh, he had some money that he left, and he had told me in the process of his dying that he wanted that money to be used to continue to communicate the gospel. If the, I could figure out how to do that. Well, of course I could figure out how to do it. You put in a radio station, and it will keep uh, broadcasting the gospel as long as possible. So I began to ask our people around the world where the next needed radio station was. Remember, I told you we have about 600 around the world, so we've covered the world pretty well, but where can we put the next one? And we have a great partner in Papua New Guinea, has uh, 34 stations down there. But he says, I have three pastors on the island of New Britain, right up at the north tip in a place called Kabang, who want to put a radio station up here. Because there's a whole group of fishermen that live out on stilted huts on the water that will not come into the community uh, to go to a church or anything and won't let us go out into their community because they don't want us to influence their children. They're very protective. So radio is going to be the only way we can reach these guys. So I, I thought that that's exactly what my dad would want. So last October, my oldest son and my oldest grandson and I flew to Papua New Guinea. And then we flew to another island. Then we flew to another island. I mean, it's pretty remote. Pretty soon we're on pretty small planes that aren't JARS planes. I wanted JARS planes. but um, And we get to the island and... Um, Here's these three pastors. Um, they're tribal guys. Uh, they've not had any education. Uh, one of them couldn't read. Uh, I just I admired them for stepping up because they knew who Jesus was and they were teaching what they knew. And uh, it was amazing. But they had a passion for these people that were lost on the end of the island, the fishermen. Uh, my son and grandson walked up there. Uh, they didn't know you weren't supposed to go up there and uh, walked up into one of the villages and uh, 
got a lot of stares and felt a little bit unwelcomed. We took with us uh, 300 radios that were tuned to that station. Solar radios, so they didn't have to buy batteries, because they couldn't. And uh, so we gave these radios to these pastors. They were going to distribute them. They knew the people would take them because it's, it's a mechanical thing, and they didn't have anything mechanical. They were going to be really thrilled to have these. And, uh, and that afternoon, we turned the radio on. And when, all of that to tell you this, when we turned the transmitter on, and one of these guys turned the radio on and heard the gospel coming out of the radio. They started to dance. These three big pastors, Papua New Guinea. There were no women there. These pastors danced and danced and danced and celebrated. And I stood there with my boys and I thought, when was the last time we danced? When was the last time we celebrated the wonderful things that our God did? If my confidence is in God, I ought to act like it. I ought to respond to bad stuff like it. And I ought to celebrate like it. The shield of faith. Our confidence in God. Well, Bob, you know, the one thing I don't like about Ron Klein is whenever he speaks, I have to do something because it gets very convicting. So I trust that you enjoyed the message. We're going to air another message by Ron on Friday's edition of our podcast. We're getting ready to start our summer conference season. That's right. Sunday evening. Sunday evening for the next five weeks. Mm -hmm. So we will not be airing a podcast for the next five weeks, but we trust that you'll either join us online or you can join us on campus. Uh, Limited numbers. Everybody has to wear a mask, temperature checks, because we want to be in compliance with all the regulations so that we keep our staff safe and we keep you safe. Our Sunday evening sessions are at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. All the sessions will be in the activity center unless we have a big crowd and then we will have to have folks in the Rawls Auditorium. But we're excited because next week is Walk Through the Bible Mm -hmm. and our good friend Dr. Roger Peterson is going to be with us. He'll be doing Walk Through in the mornings, Monday through Thursday at 930. And then he'll be bringing a message Sunday night through Thursday night. Now that man has a screw loose. Right. I mean, if well, you, if they come, they'll find out. you'll find out he <laughs> will make you laugh. And he's crazy. That's why he fits right in. He fits right in here. But his insight into the scriptures will really bless your heart. So I want to encourage you that America's Kazakh depends on friends like you to support the ministry with your gifts and with your prayers. To give a gift, you can call 1-800-453-7942 or you can donate online by visiting our website, www.americaskazakh.org. Org. So join us. Who's on tomorrow? Tomorrow is the worship live at 1 30. That's right. And then the Ripple podcast with Jim Lang at 2 30. And then Friday, you don't want to miss because David Harris is going to sing. That's right. Hey, God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you on the last edition of the Bob and Bill podcast for this season. 
on Friday. God bless.